This is Season 6 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. What continent has the most spoken languages? Have you really arrived when you arrive in Climax, Saskatchewan? Hi, I'm Nick. (laughs) And I'm Roy. And welcome to Season 6, Episode 13, where we scour the internet and other sources to bring you totally useless information just for you. Plus, we'll answer your question in the mailbag segment. And in news from around the world, the headline, Woman Pisses Off Neighbor Because of Chicken Poop. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Bone chilling. Blood curdling. Oh, the horror of horrors. Listen, if you dare. It's been a while since we got scared from that lady. She's scary. She is. But beautiful at the same time. Uh, The movie Psycho, I I just speak from secondhand experience. Uh, Psycho is the first American (laughs) film to feature this, a toilet. Okay. No. It's also. I I have the same. Do you really? (laughs) (laughs) Can I finish it? It's also the first film to flush it. There you go. Nick and I do not discuss. We discuss the topic. Yep. But we do not discuss what we're going to say because we like to get the reaction. Right. And from time to time, because good, uh, you know, smart minds think alike, from time to time, yeah. we get the same facts. It was ni- in the 1950s. Yeah, it was. And the thing is, you know, because Americans were so repressed that they were like, oh my God, there's a toilet. Never mind the poor lady that was being stabbed in the shower. I'm sorry. Should I have said spoiler alert? That's all secondary. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's all alleged, Nick. Alleged. Oh my God, she's being stabbed <laughs> a thousand times. Oh my God, is that a toilet in the corner? Okay, so being that we both had the same thing, do you know that they used chocolate syrup? Because, of course, Psycho was in black and white, so you couldn't see the color red. And they found out that chocolate syrup looked very much like blood when you squirted it all over the place and it went down the drain and the water got affected by it. So they used chocolate syrup as, as instead of blood. Wow. And was it on a Sunday? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. The first horror film to ever be nominated for an Academy Award was in 1974. And I remember this film really well. It was The Exorcist. Oh, okay. In fact, it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Linda Blair being nominated for Best Actress. She was 15 years old. The film honestly stigmatized her. Yeah. Uh, For the rest of her career, she would be known as the girl from uh, The Exorcist. Uh, I think it was Max, um, Max von Sydow. He was the the guy who played one of the priests. He was great in that film, too. Do you remember when that film came out? I was in Catholic school and the priests came in. the, The Monsignor came in and he said to all the students, if anybody is caught anywhere near that movie theater, we would be expelled from school because that was the devil. Yeah. And we weren't supposed to. So me and my brother snuck in through the exit and we went to see the exorcist 
And I said to my brother, we shouldn't be here. When I saw what was going on in the movie, I said, this was wrong. It was really wrong and we shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, that's the real reason why you got suspended or expelled from school, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Meantime, look. the Monsignor was sitting next to me. <laughs> I was like, can I borrow that cross there? <laughs> now, while you're watching these horror movies, you can be horny at the same time. Really? Yeah. There's nothing sexy about being watching scared teenagers getting slaughtered on the screen. So scary movies can be a real turn on for some people. In most cases, it's not that they're yeah, John Gacy. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one. Um, it's not because they're really hot for Freddy Krueger or anything like that, or like maybe the chocolate syrup. It's the science. Trust the science, right? There's, I've heard that before. I don't know where. But anyway, trust the science. Yeah, right. There's no need to feel weird about Put your, your mask on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a hockey mask. So <laughs> no, don't worry about it. If your nether regions start throbbing while you watch Friday the 13th, you're not alone. Remember, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Your horror-induced horniness has a lot to do with your body's physiological response to fear. According to Dr. Holly Richmond, typically when we're scared, our body has a few natural and hormonal responses. Our adrenaline and cortisol levels go up and our blood goes to our extremities, or as I put it, the nether regions. Mm -hmm. Richmond explains that all this happens when we're aroused. Therefore, the same reaction happens when you're watching a scary movie. This is what Nick says when he watches these movies where they have the little teeny boppers running around with the gratuitous sex scenes with the exposed breasts and so on. Yeah. And Nick goes, it's not that. It's the actual chemical reaction happening. <laughs> like when he said, I never read Playboy. I never yeah. I looked at the pictures yeah. of Playboy. I yeah, just look, read the articles. <laughs> and look, I noticed there was a toilet in the corner of that movie. <laughs> in 1983, Stephen King told Playboy, Nick's favorite magazine, <laughs> oh, uh, wait a minute. Was that, is that like teaching you how to play games? What? Is that Playboy? Like, yeah, is that like yeah. a gaming like, magazine? Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's what Nick calls Most kids have the Game Boy. Nick had Playboy. When he was <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know how the kids use their thumbs? Yeah. <laughs> Nick I, used his whole hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say joystick. Moving on. <laughs> As you're listening to totally useless information. He got real good with his joystick. With but anyway. Nick and Roy. Oh, boy. In 1983, Stephen King gave an, uh, an interview to Playboy about the movie The Shining, which, of course, he wrote the book. He said he hated Jack Nicholson in the movie because he said that the character was supposed to gradually go crazy throughout the film. If you've ever seen The Shining, he goes nuts in the hotel and crashes. The, puts the hatchet through the door, you know, and, and the whole bit. And uh, here's Johnny, you know, but the car, the, the, the character was supposed to have gradually gone crazy. But he said that Nicholas had this dumb, smiling grin on his face from the beginning of the film mm -hmm. and appeared crazy, not to mention he had had such stardom in the film. One flew over the cuckoo's nest that people just looked at him as the character of being crazy to begin with. And so he hated him as the pick for the main character. Amazing. Really cool. The mm -hmm. movie Scream was inspired by actual events that took place in Gainesville, Florida. It was inspired by some of Nick's girlfriends in high school. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
that chocolate syrup again? Um, so the movie. These girlfriends were the only ones to scream, put it on. Not thinking about it. <laughs> they, they always wanted the lights out for some reason. Never understood why. During the early 1990s in Gainesville, Florida, where else would this crime happen? Ooh, that's and, where my son went to school, by the way. In Gainesville. Well, thank yes, you. All right. Sure. Well, it's not your son because he was born after the. Actually, he was born. Yeah, he was born. Uh, he could have been him. No, it wasn't. <laughs> An American serial killer known as the Gainesville Ripper murdered students in rather disturbing ways. So screenwriter Kevin Williamson watched a news report about the murders, and it, sc- it scared the you-know-what out of him and started to write the scary movie Scream. Yeah, it was University of Florida. That's where my son went to school. There you go. He was too young. Gainesville campus. Coolest place in the world, guys. They got a stadium that is just the called the swamp that is just amazing it is it's a fun place there's all these little bars the whole town is literally the school so nice in the movie jaws the shark is not seen until 1 hour and 21 minutes into the film really that long yep and of course all of the critics at the time, Cecil and Ebert, remember them? Yeah, yeah. Cecil and Ebert. Um, so at the time, they were saying that Spielberg's a genius. He didn't even show the shark. He just built up the anticipation and scared you, you know. And the reality was the mechanical shark that they had spent all that money on most of the time didn't work. Oh. So when they shot the scenes of the mechanical shark, it didn't look good. So it it didn't it didn't work. The mouth didn't open. The eyes didn't move. You know, so it just was. It looked like a, a a piece of junk. So Spielberg had to come up with different ways, and the editors had to come up with different ways. So of course, you see the guy's leg falling. You don't actually see it being bit. You see the the cans that they put. They shot the things into the shark, and the cans go down. Not the, so you never had to see the shark, but you knew he was there. And then, of course, one hour and 21 minutes in, we get to see the shark for his big debut right. of eating Quinn, Quinn, the boat captain. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and because of what we said earlier, he was quite aroused. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you ever see the movie Saw? Did you see Saw? Uh, I never saw Saw see Saw. You didn't? You, I, well, I did see Saw once. Um, but I didn't I know what saw it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, the director of Saw, James Wan, was just 17. He watched the news and he, he watched it and it said a man who broke into people's houses were tickling the feet of sleeping children. Mm. It scared Wan so much that he slept with a hammer beside his bed. When the man in the reports was actually caught, he revealed that he didn't commit the crimes on his own, but he was forced to do it. This sparked the idea. So if you if you did see the movie Saw, this is the premise of the movie. That sparked the idea of being forced of forcing characters to do what they were told. The tickling criminal, by the way, was also apparently sent a jigsaw piece and told him that told him what to do. Give him the instructions. And that was the inspiration behind the jigsaw killer in the films. Cool, cool. Yeah. One time I would sleep with a um a hammer beside my bed and my wife would sleep with a gun and she said, <laughs> I'll shoot you if you try to nail me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ooh, 
figure that one out. Do the math. You're good there on the fly, huh? It, it, not too bad with your fly. You're listening. Thank you for joining us week after week. Really appreciate all of your support. In over 62 countries now and on the iHeartRadio Talk Network, coast to coast to coast in Canada. If you'd like to send us an email, we'll get to the mailbag segment in just a few moments as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Down the garden path with Nick and Roy. I have to share this. So that lovely intro is is our um, is our image producer. She she does a great job. And uh, one of our listeners from the radio show said uh, we had just talked about how you said she sounds like she's she smoked some of that Toronto gold when she did that. And I said no, she's that's Mother Nature as if she was speaking. Well, a listener wrote in and said, "I'm smoke. I've just smoked the Toronto Gold and listening to your show and laughing my ass off." <laughs> So I think there was a compliment in there somewhere. So, yeah. But we hope that it was us that made him laugh. So thanks so much. So, for yes, we, we enjoy all of you um, hopped up druggies <laughs> that listen. To <laughs> listen, the Juliet Rose. Yeah. Known for its apricot pale pink color and large blooms. That sounds dirty to me. Yeah, no. hey, that was one of my girlfriends in high school. She had big blooms, yes. Oh boy. And they called and, and, and they, the person with the with the Toronto gold or whatever the hell I called it would turn around and say the apricot pale color, large blooms and bloodshot eyes. <laughs> no, but anyway, the Juliet Rose. Yes. It's one of the most beautiful roses. It's very sought after in the market. People love this Juliet rose. Well, it took David Austin, the maker of the rose, 15 years and over $3 million to create that particular strain of rose. Wow. So it's no coincidence that you like it, folks. It took this man 15 years to hone in on the best rose. Perfect color, the perfect bloom. Yep. So this is a great segue because my next, uh, my item here on on uh, down the garden path is slow and steady wins the race. Even in the plant kingdom, generally, the slower growing a tree is, the longer it lives. Hmm. Fast growing trees expend their energy on quick growth and reproduction, while the slow growing ones use their energy for structural support and to develop defenses against disease and insects. The slow growing oak tree, for example, can live for centuries. In contrast, quick growing willow has an average lifespan of 30 to 50 years. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I always like to. Keep my wood going slow. You know? <laughs> yeah. What does a garden have to do with wonders of the world? I wonder. Well, one is the so-called ancient wonder of the world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Oh. It was thought to have been created by King Nezekanezer mm -hmm. uh, during the Babylon Empire. It was the most incredible botanical garden that the world would have ever seen it had plants from around the world that were gathered and placed into this garden at a time when people couldn't even travel they could go see what plants would be like all around the world there's never been any proof of the hanging gardens of babylon although till this day it is still one of the ancient wonders of the world 
again, I'm still wondering. <laughs> when someone who's in the garden, they are said to have a green thumb. Why hmm. is your thumb green when they refer to you as to uh, being so uh, a great person in the garden? Well, here's why. According to James Underwood Crockett. James Underwear. Underwood. Oh. Underwood. Still talking about trees? Yes. James <laughs> Underwood Crockett, no relation to Davy. It comes right. from the fact that algae growing on the outside of earthenware pots will stain a person's thumb and fingers if he or she handles enough pots hence the person always working on these pots will have a green thumb makes sense yes all right has some crockett of you know what well, well, <laughs> uh, do you have a green thumb are you are you good in the garden or you just mow the lawn you have to see my garden this year i've got tomatoes i got 20 something tomatoes on the plant now I, listen I bought that tomato plant for like $8 and I thought that was expensive, but I think I've gotten already $20, $30 worth of tomatoes. And there's another, it's just loads of tomatoes and peppers. And yeah. Do you have pictures? Uh, I'll send, we'll put them up on the website. All you have to could. So send me your tomatoes, send me a picture of your tomatoes. Yeah. In your yeah, garden. I will send you a picture of my tomato right. and right. my big pepper. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll put I it have up. A pepper, I have a pepper bush as well that is loaded full of peppers. I will send folks, go on nickandroy.com and go to the gallery, the pictures, and we will show you the pictures of my actual plant that I'm not just talking. I also have raspberries, strawberries, and I also have blueberries and blackberries. There you go. And, and down here in Florida, everything grows all year round. Nickandroy.com is where you can find those pictures. Yeah, you're, you're going to see them. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be amazed at my tomato. <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture of one pepper and two tomatoes. <laughs> I'm sure, sure you would. <laughs> Just think about that one for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Did you know that over 20% of our food is actually grown in urban gardens, such as the garden in my backyard? No, I did not know that. Over 20% of the food that we eat that's in the world, 8 million people grow their own food in their backyards, and it equates to 20% of all the produce. That's why we say listen, laugh, and learn. See, you listen mm -hmm. to our show, and then you write this stuff down. We always encourage everyone to have a pen or pencil or eyeline, crayon, whatever you have, to write things down so you can repeat them to your family and friends. Yeah, exactly. Talking about being a loner, George Weigel, a Pennsylvania certified horticulturist and journalist. <laughs> You're going to say certified lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> Certifiable. He claims that the sunflower has natural plant chemicals which serve as a defense mechanism for fending off competitors trying to grow in its territory. It works well enough that scientists have researched sunflowers as a herbicide for weed prevention. Some even claim it will inhibit poison ivy growth. Hmm. So. Didn't know that. I do know that um, when I lived in Long Island, Long Island, Long Island. I said it like a New Yorker. When I lived in Long Island, New York, mm -hmm. um, they had a lot of vineyards out there and they would plant roses or sunflowers at the end of the rows of grape. I think the roses were in order to attract 
the bees and things like that. I think the sunflowers as well to attract the insects to pollinate the fruit. I think. I don't even know. So that's not even a good fact. Well, that's okay. Well, it's useless information, isn't it? So come on. Yes. It's, you, you I'll figure time. it out, folks. And you, I'll get you, back to you next show. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Do you know the most popular fruit and vegetables that are grown in people's yards? Yeah. What do you think number one is the most popular fruit or vegetable? I have to, you talked about tomatoes so much. I'm going to guess tomatoes. And you would be right. All right. Number there you go. One, the number one thing that people grow is tomatoes. And and surprisingly enough, number two is cucumbers or squash, and number three is peppers. And I've found that peppers are the easiest to grow. Mm-hmm. They're very easy to grow. They, they don't require all that much. Where tomatoes require a lot of work if you hill them. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. You can just grow a tomato plant. But the ones that I'm growing are, are gaining 30, 40, 50 tomatoes from you you need to know what you're doing number two of course i said was cucumbers or squash like zucchini number three is peppers all different types hot peppers bell peppers cubanelle peppers you know beans and carrots come in fourth place okay but i want to grow potatoes oh you buy a five pound bag of potatoes you literally don't do anything you literally dig a hole like you know like about maybe six seven inches down you stick the potato in the ground and you cover it up with dirt you water that area you know three times a week four times a week you get make sure that the soil is good soil and you will then have 15 pounds of potatoes of which you will take one of the potatoes and plant them again and potatoes just keep going I think that's the coolest thing in the world. So you can actually buy, when you buy the potatoes in the supermarket, you can plant them, water them, mm-hmm. and you'll get yep. a potato. Okay. Yeah. So maybe yep. you can And if you run potato. all over them, like where you planted them, you'll get mashed potatoes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> or the way I cook, I make rotten potatoes. Not gratin, rotten potatoes. Yeah, when I put them in, sometimes I'm like, oh, every little please. <laughs> to right. get French fries. Yeah. <laughs> the belgian come on so speaking of cooking if you're in the middle of a recipe and you realize oh my goodness i'm out of onions what do i do Mm. well all you have to do is substitute them with a tulip bulb whoa however you should make sure it's a fresh bulb that's not been exposed to the pesticides so apparently you can replace your onions with a tulip bulb in the kitchen wow i got a great idea why not replace them with a light bulb (laughs) <laughs> no. get it tulip get bulb. a great idea yeah, yeah. light yeah. bulb <laughs> and i'll ask the question again what did so if you have an idea a light bulb comes over your head like it just did what did they do before they invented the light bulb huh I, I, when you probably a, the sun no, <laughs> yeah. they lit a match and, probably that and candle over their head <laughs> what did they do before fire was invented what nick pray tell I'll tell. Uh, they hit they hit each other over the head with a rock. I don't know. Listen, guys, go to nickandroy.com, nickandroy.com. Listen to all the shows and uh, leave us messages and look at our pictures. You'll see pictures of my garden mm-hmm. coming up there real soon. Real, real soon. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. 
Guys, I got to tell you about a product called Athletic Greens. A friend of mine turned me on to this. He said, Roy, you're always complaining you're tired. Well, guess what? I am on Athletic Greens for about a month and a half. It is the best product I've ever tried. I'm sleeping at night. I feel great when I wake up. I have more energy than I've had in 20 years. My stomach feels fantastic. It's not growling and growling anymore. And now I turned Nick on to Athletic Greens. It's a fantastic product. It's only about the cost of a cup of coffee a day. Don't just take our word for it. Athletic Greens is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens. Folks, you clear your medicine cabinet of all those bottles of vitamins because it's all in one. And they even gave us a special offer to give to you. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to their website, athleticgreens.com slash emerging. That's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Once again, that website, athleticgreens.com slash emerging also we'll put it up on our website nickandroy.com throw away your totally useless gps it's time for geography so get lost with nick and roy Houston Airport received so many complaints about how long they waited to get their baggage in response the baggage claim was moved further away so the walk to the baggage claim was longer than the wait. Oh, so they made time for themselves. That's right. So instead of so what the airport authorities did, instead of fixing the delays in the baggage delivery, they said, well, let's just move the baggage claim further away. You had to walk a longer length to get your baggage. As a result, the passengers walked had to walk six times longer to get their bags. Mm-hmm. And if they wanted to complain about how long the walk was to get their bags, they had to walk 12 times longer to get back to the complaint desk because they never changed the position, the location of the complaint desk. That's brilliant. Guess what? The That's complaints brilliant. dropped to near zero. I love that. That's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Thumbs up to Houston. Houston had a problem and they fixed it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. All right, so go take a walk. Yeah. There are countries that have countries inside of them. Okay, okay. think about this now. For yeah. instance, now when I say this, you're going to say, oh, yeah. Okay, Italy has the Vatican. It's its own country, the country of the Vatican. Makes sense, yeah. Is inside of, of Italy. But I found another, and it's called Lesvo, L-E-S-T-H-O, which is a country inside of the country of South Africa. It's a country within inside of a country. And that country's name is less though. Less though. Less though. So right. what's it's not, it's not more of a country. It's less though. though. So that's where they put it inside of probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you did see saw after all, uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the Isle of discussion. It's a tiny island located a short row from Loch Laven's southern shore. For hundreds of years, arguing members of the MacDonald clan were sent to the island by the clan's chief, 
and had to remain there until their disputes were resolved. (laughs) To help the feuding parties come to a swift and peaceful agreement, they were left with a supply of cheese, oatcakes, and scotch whiskey. Wow. When they eventually settled their disputes, the the, the members rode up the lock... The island of Covenant, where agreements were drawn up and sealed. Therefore, they named it the Isle of Discussion. Yeah, could you imagine? They were like, you better think of something quick. We run out of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> up your kilt. Uh, for some reason, I've drank so much, I'm not mad at you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was angry about. What was I mad about? The fact that you didn't bring enough scotch. So here's my teaser. Yeah. What continent has the most spoken languages? And that would be the continent of Asia. It has over 2,300 languages that spoke in the continent of Asia more than any by far. Some groups or provinces have less than 1,000 people in them who speak their own language. Wow. Isn't that cool? It is. And some people, yeah. when listening to this program, have totally used this information when Nick and Roy think, I'm speaking my own language. Here's my teaser. This Saskatchewan village was settled by Christ Fugelstad, an immigrant from Climax, Minnesota, who was apparently either terribly homesick or terribly unimaginative. In case you're wondering, the original Climax owed its curious name to the Chewing Tobacco Company, so get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah. Today, Climax has a small but thriving population of 195, and it's part of a rural municipality called Lone Tree Number 18. Come one, come all, how will I know I arrived in Climax, Saskatchewan? Yeah, that's probably their slogan. Come one, come all to Climax. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Some people miss it all together. They just keep going. Yeah, that's a that's a, a really great place. Climax. Uh, yep. Yeah. Come again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the sign. As you as you leave the, the town of Climax. It says fun. come again. Come again. Come again to Climax. Russians, Nick. Yes. The Russians are coming. The Russians decided to drill a hole to hit the Earth's core. Okay. Why? Okay, very ambitious project. It was called the Kohler Super Deep Borehole. Okay, it is twelve thousand two hundred and sixty-one feet down into the earth. Twelve thousand two hundred sixty-one feet down. They had to stop because the temperature topped one hundred and eighty degrees Celsius. 356 Fahrenheit for those that live in the United States. Now, that is crazy. They drilled so deep that they were hitting towards, like, I guess the core of the earth where the magma is and the heat buildup was so much they had to stop. It is uh, 12,000 feet deep. Now, if we could only get Putin to fall into it, everything would be wonderful. Yes, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So let's go back to the late 1800s. We're going to talk to you about the biggest little city. When people were flocking to major metropolitan centers like Chicago, New York, and San Francisco, because of their soaring skyscrapers, electric streetcars, and booming industries, Smaller mm-hmm. places wanted a piece. Remember of that, Nick, right? <laughs> Booming industries. 
No, the invention of electric. Oh, right. Yes, of course. <laughs> Back in the 1800s. So smaller places wanted a piece of the action, too. So in an effort to attract new residents and their economies, towns across the country began to claim the title of the biggest little city. That included Wichita, Memphis, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Reno. A mm. local reporter named the biggest little city on the Pacific coast, Reno, as early as 1901. And local businessmen promoted Reno as the biggest little city on the map. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And one of the attractions, by the way, and this makes sense because you have a lot of, of heavyweight price fighting in Vegas. So when the heavyweight price fighting championship between Jack Johnson and Jim Jeffries was happening, mm-hmm. they brought thousands of spectators to the town. Yeah. That was a big fight, by the way. Yep. Because Jack Johnson was the it was the champ for a very, very long time. And he was a black man who dared to marry a white woman. And they wanted him gone as the champion. They said, we can't have this. A lot of racism back then. So unowned land. Yeah. In fact, an unowned continent. Oh. Antarctica is not owned by anyone nor any country. It is one of, it's the only continent on the globe that is not owned in some way, shape, or form. It is governed by a unique international partnership. It is designated as a place for peace and science. Bullcrap. It's just too damn cold to build anything. (laughs) Who the hell wants this crap? This ice block. And you become incontinent. (laughs) You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And we thank you once again for your support listening week after week. Hey, here's an idea for a loved one. If you have a birthday, uh, a loved one who has a birthday rather, and everyone has a birthday, what a great idea for you to go to nickandroy.com slash birthdays. Yeah, you have to do it, guys. We we literally put together a show just for that special person. We give all useless information facts about the day that they were born, the year that they were born. It is so interesting. You have to go to nickandroy.com. Go on, go, go to the little menu portion and hit birthdays. You can actually listen to one. You're going to love it. They're going to love it. It is the greatest, most unique gift, especially for people that have everything. I'm telling you, go and listen. You'll love it. It's reasonably priced. And the latest one that we did, the reaction was she was, this was for someone's mom. She was in tears the whole time. She really appreciated. She thanked her daughter for giving such a unique gift. Nick has that effect on women. That's right. It makes them cry. (laughs) So if you want to cry, go to nickandroy.com. You take your clothes off again. (laughs) No. Go to nickandroy.com slash birthdays, and while you're there, might as well send us an email, nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Nicole. Nicole from Harrison, New York, writes, Dear Nick and Roy, you guys are the bomb. Okay. Sure, thanks. You <laughs> Don't make... say that too loud yeah. on the internet. Exactly. <laughs> You'll be a thought. The CIA will be visiting your home. Your algorithm. Yes. <laughs> you guys are the bomb. Uh, you make me laugh every week. In fact, when I'm feeling blue, I start to binge listen to all of your episodes on your website. So, good. I'm glad that we have some sort of um, medical effect on people. Uh, my question is, where did the expression using your noodle come from? 
Wow. So that was an interesting question. So thank you, Nicole from Harrison, New York. Well, you might think that noodles don't really look like heads, but they kind of look like brains. Unless it's Nick or, or Roy or I, but whatever. Originally, using your noodle was an insult, comparing a simpleton wagging his head around while thinking with a wet, floppy noodle. Nowadays, it's no longer an insult. It simply means think about it, using your noodle. So thank you, Nicole, for using your noodle the good way and listening to our shows on NickandRoy.com. And it's funny because Nick usually picks the emails where he has to look something up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your mailbag this week? But I picked this one, and it's so funny because you said that this person, it made them laugh because they needed to, to – a pick me up. Yep. And I have Horatio from Wilton, Connecticut. Oh, okay. And Will uh, Horatio says, I've been ha- I've not been having the best of years and I just wanted to thank you guys for making me laugh. A very similar thing. Uh Horatio's prob- apparently going through some tough times and the show is getting him through it. And he said, I've listened to the show now and I really love it. And now I've heard over 20 episodes on nickandroy.com. So he's binge listening as well. Mm. And you do. And he says, I'm addicted. And I am I as useless as you guys now? <laughs> so, yes, Horatio, you're totally useless, <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah. And we thank you. Thank you, guys. Really, we do. We do love the fact when we get these things where people give these testimonials, the fact that it's helping them in some way. We we, we we hope it is. We hope you're learning from it. We hope you're laughing with us and sometimes at us. <laughs> it depends. Listen, laugh, and learn at us. Um, yeah, that is quite humbling. Thank you very much for that, Horatio. And we're really happy to provide this. I know there are many other uh, shows you could be listening to. The fact that we're one of your options we really appreciate that very much so all you have to do is go to our website and share your experiences as and we have quite a few experiences on our website nickandroy.com and now for something completely useless something that we all take for granted is rubber no, think about it. Nobody even thinks about that. You get in your car, you drive. The yeah. tires are made of rubber. Yeah. You close the door. The door is insulated with a rubber seal. Right. So many things are rubber garden hose. Right. You screw the garden hose on. There's a little rubber gasket inside of it. That rubber is all around us all the time. Or you're on a hot date. Exactly. Exactly. Rubber is a useful, necessary item. I used to carry one in my back pocket in my wallet all the time. <laughs> Which is not recommended, by the way, but go on. Exactly. Exactly. Leaves that circle. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> Leaves that circle in your wallet. Yeah, you can never get rid of that circle. <laughs> one time I was in need of it so quickly, I used the wallet. <laughs> Wow. So it's not only rubber, it's rubber and leather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, what's that change purse? Come on, I'm getting hot and horny. I show, knowing me, I would show up with the change purse. I questioned the girl after. I swore I had 25 bucks in that wallet. <laughs> what's in your wallet? Not anymore. Nothing left. What's in your wallet? Apparently an Italian sausage. That's what <laughs> 
and zucchini oh. and tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I don't even know how you go on. <laughs> wow. Well, we 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 take rubber for granted. <laughs> oh, we sure do. The history of rubber goes just like this. Mayan women used to walk through the forest in the jungle and they would forage for food, mm -hmm. pick up mushrooms, things like that. And they would call this particular tree the crying tree because the white sap would run down the sides of the tree. It's not until later on that they began to collect this white sap, which was extremely sticky and thicker than honey. Mm -hmm. That white sap is latex, and that is what makes rubber. That's we would eventually call it a rubber tree and so on and so forth. And guys like Firestone would cultivate these rubber trees and make tires. And the rest is just a rubber history. <laughs> <laughs> there is a museum of failure. And I think you and I are going to be <laughs> well, the first. Nick and I are the, are the liaison. <laughs> we are, we are the, uh, the inaugural honorees. Poster Bo boys. Boasting <laughs> a one-of-a-kind international collection of more than 100 innovation failures. The mm -hmm. Touring Museum of Failure features displays on such bad ideas such as Harley-Davidson perfume. We talked about this in our last episode. Mm -hmm. Also on display in this Museum of Failure, Colgate beef lasagna. What about the new Coke? And Google Glass and the new Coke. <laughs> Remember that? They changed Coke? Yeah. My God. It's like the stupidest thing ever. Let's destroy the product and make a new one. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, at least it put wow. at least it put Coca-Cola on the map because no one really heard of Coke before. So this is that that we need to go to that museum. I you know what? Maybe what I should do is I should uh, try to contact them and maybe we can do like a little interview and talk yeah. to the curator of the Museum of Failure and then nominate us. Totally mm -hmm. use this information with Nick <laughs> and Roy. Today on the show, we talked about horror, we talked about garden, and we talked about geography. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. Angered that a neighbor's chicken had been pooping on the back patio, a Florida woman... Allegedly, oh, we go. allegedly, yes, we all have chickens and roosters here in Florida. That's right. Yes. The Florida woman allegedly retrieved a bucket of pee from her bathroom <laughs> and proceeded to douse the bird's owner with a foul liquid, according to the arrest report. Oh, it was foul liquid. That's right. <laughs> foul Police liquid. busted Christine Terman, 57, on a misdemeanor battery charge following a confrontation on a Sunday evening at the Palm so The Haven. birds pooped on her back? So Christine, the um, the perpetrator, I guess, you know, the, yes. um, the criminal, the alleged right. criminal, the charged... Mm -hmm got angry because her neighbor's chicken pooped on her back patio. This happened on a late on a Sunday evening at the So she doused her with a bucket of urine. That's right. It is uh, she they reside at the Palm Haven Mobile Home Park <laughs> in St. Petersburg. 
Florida. <laughs> Cops say Terman was mad at the victim, Lawrence Stencil, due to, quote, his chicken pooping on the back patio, end quote. So Terman, quote, went inside and got a bucket of pee from Just her... Just happened to have a bucket well, of pee in <laughs> She walked out on the back patio and threw she the... said, mm, what am I going to do with this bucket of pee? Let me throw it on that... That chickadee over there. <laughs> she walked out in the back patio and threw the full bucket of pee, end quote. Oh. The bucket struck Stencil. Now, here's, here's the, you know, the really um, scary mm. part. The bucket yes. struck Stencil in the face, causing <gasps> him pain. Oh, wait. So she hit him with the bucket as well. As well. So maybe she threw the bucket and all. Not just the pee. Maybe she threw the bucket as well. The maybe there wasn't a whole lot of pee in there either. Well, we're not sure. They didn't Depends. tell Depends. Maybe she downed, like, you know, one of them Colt 45s. You know, she's in the park. <laughs> yeah. She's in the old trailer park, so she might be. <laughs> they don't know how big the bucket was. <laughs> According to the sheriff, the victim was wet when he arrived and smelled of urine. Oh, no. The arrest report does not indicate why. Where was the chicken during this whole event? <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure where the chicken was. You know what? While they're having a pee fight, it was probably in the back patio pooping again. I <laughs> bet you the chicken was so scared it laid an egg. <laughs> <laughs> it did. So, now, apparently... The guy should have picked the chicken up and squeezed it real hard, and it could have pooped all over the woman. <laughs> like one of those, um, one of those uh, dessert bags. What do you call them? Like icing yeah. bags. Yeah, I'll fix that chicken. I'll dress up like Colonel Sanders. You see how scared that chicken gets. <laughs> right. Now, the arrest report does not indicate. This is back to your earlier question. The arrest report does not indicate why Terman had a bucket of waste at the ready. Yeah, I mean, what happened there? Was she using the bucket maybe inside the trailer? We're not sure. Again, it's not clear. Terman reported, admitted to her actions after being read her rights. Deputy mm. Levy Blake reported. So, Terman so read her her rights. Yeah. And she went to jail. She was booked was into the county. with a deadly urine bucket. Right. Well, that's evidence now. It, it was held into into evidence. And she was booked. Into so they the never took the chicken in for questioning? <laughs> no, they didn't. Terman was booked into the county jail from which she was released after posting a $500 bond. And she said, God, you know, I want to stay in there. They have toilets. I use a bucket at home. <laughs> now, this just in, this just in, breaking news. Terman's yes. boyfriend, Kevin Avery, was also arrested for allegedly threatening stencil in the presence of police. Oh, so what happened is he came probably during the whole event, and he probably tried to stick up for her. Yeah. So, so he probably just pulled it out and started dousing the guy with his own urine, maybe. We're not sure. I don't know. So, yeah, uh, details um, as they become available... We will tell you here on Totally Uses Information with Nick and Roy. Did so. the cops maybe take, I wonder if they took any samples to bring in. What, to know, compare the pee? Evidence, sure, yeah. as evidence. Yeah, by the way, uh, it is not your pee. By the way, your pH balance is off. 
Uh, that's, all, <laughs> that's all the time that we have. It has to happen in Florida, too, by the way. And, folks, we do have toilets here in Florida, so yeah. it's okay to come on down. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Visit Florida. That's all the time we have for this episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We will scour the Internet and other sources to find out more useless information for you. And all we need you to do is listen, laugh, and learn, and tell a friend. Tell everyone you know to go to nickandroy.com and listen to the show. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of nickandroy.com. Visit nickandroy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.